0: Thank you very much. And greetings to everybody there in Mobile and those of you online, as well as everybody here in the Malbus Center. I'm going to let Sherry give greetings first, because she's really good at it.
1: Swadika. That's our Thai greeting. Um, it's just wonderful to be with you um, in Malbus campus and the Mobile campus and online. And I think the online community, um, just want to greet you especially. Uh, it's, It's exciting to me that this streams online because we watch Baycom. We feel like we're part of this. Even in Thailand and even during the first service or the second service, I got um, some Facebook messages and some cacao messages from our family back in Thailand and the Philippines. Raina, a young lady that's lived with us for 20 years, she's watching right now and our son and daughter in love and other daughters in the Philippines and In Thailand, and and actually one of the young media light guys said, "Where can I find this?" He he saw it. It's just (laughs) chattering all around in Italy. How can I get online now and um and and watch? So this is it's just amazing the internet and uh, what the Lord is doing through this too. But it's just a one other little note on that. Uh, Reyna was traveling a couple weeks ago uh, to Laos. And um, she texted us and said, right now, I'm on the bus, and it has Wi-Fi, and she's going into remote areas in, in Laos, and said, and I'm watching Bay Community Live, so you're around the world. Thank you. Thank you. And it's just such a life-giving church, and we love being part of this community. Years ago, we went to the mission field 30 years ago, actually, and um, it was in Jamaica that we met your pastor and his family, and, and Pastor Trey was just a young guy then, and um, I think Melanie was just in months old, but we've just bonded with his family, and um, it's just been a such an honor to be part of this community. And we want to thank you for partnering together with us all these years. Um, uh, in Thailand, we're in the 1040 window, and this is where two thirds of the world population lives. Yet, over half of this population in um, the 1040 window has never yet heard the name of Jesus. And that's why we're there, and that's why uh, Jim and his family in China are where they're at, because it, we have a just a driving passion that they might experience what we've just been singing about because of Jesus. That's the, the The blinders are removed from their minds, and the truth, they know the truth, and the truth will set them free. And that's what you're a part of, and we want to thank you again today for just praying for us, for resourcing us and the others that you are are a part of, and and, uh, we just encourage you and, and covet your prayers. Thank you. God bless you.
0: Uh, I want to say a uh, warm welcome to my daughter Brooke who came all the way down from Tennessee. Stand up give everybody a little wave there. <laughs> and my other daughter, Brooke also, Brooke's friend, Brooke Sherlin, give everybody a howdy. I want to show you a testimony video to let you see another aspect of what Baycom is doing all around the world.
2: I came to know Christ at age 26, during some tough times after college. When Jesus found me, he gave me hope. You don't really know how hungry you are for something until you have it. And that's how it was when Jesus found me. My soul was so hungry for him. I wanted to know more about him, study his word, know his plans for my life. And I was searching and just waiting. And then I heard about Media Light. Their approach to discipleship is so innovative. You get the core teachings of Jesus. You get to learn more about yourself, who you are, your strengths and personality in the leadership sessions. And the best part, they train you to become a media missionary. When I heard that term, media missionary, it was like a bomb exploded inside of me because... I'm a trained graphic designer, and I wanted to use my gifts and my talents in graphics to share the gospel, so this excited me. At MediaLight, I discovered two things. One is my calling. It's very painful to live life aimlessly. You want to contribute to the world, and you want to serve God, but you don't know where, and you don't know how. And if you do know how, you doubt your abilities, you doubt your capabilities, and that comes to the second thing I learned. I discovered that I have a voice. I have a voice to speak out and to do things that God has called me to do. In those 10 weeks, I was transformed. My identity in Christ was solidified. That was in 2010, and since then, I've been serving as a full-time staff. In the beginning, it was really scary walking by faith, but God is so, so faithful. The thing that I love best about being staff at Media Life is the community. God has built a safe and warm environment for growth, and I love watching the transformation that occurs in our students' lives. We do this amazing outreach at the end of the program on a university campus. For two nights, we have this evangelistic art exhibition where the students get to use the media they've created to share the gospel. And because of this, people are coming to know Christ, and lives are being changed. My name is Ria, and I'm from the Philippines. I'm one of the many students from MediaLite whose lives have been changed because of your help.
0: Uh, I wanted to show you that. Yeah, give God praise. I wanted to show you that because six years ago, uh, I, Sherry and I dropped in on a service. It was the first time we had actually been inside the building. Um, and we, after service, uh, Pastor Jerry and I were talking and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, the Lord's told us to leave, um, leave pastoring. We've been pastoring for 25 years. And I was a college president. And we're supposed to train media missionaries. So I've gone to film school myself. And I've been trained, and we're going to start all over again. So we left everything we'd built in 18 years in the Philippines, moved to Thailand so we could be in the heart of the Buddhist world. And I said, we're just starting over. And he sat there for a minute, and he said, I'm supposed to do something. And he walked into the church office and got the checkbook, and he wrote me this check. That was money that, that you had actually put together to buy, sound, uh, buy, buy uh, some stuff for the stage. And he said, the Lord said to give you this. And with that money, we were able to rent our building and by our first set of equipment, and on that set of equipment we trained Rhea, and then Rhea stayed on as staff, and she's poured into the life of over sixty students from twenty different countries. That's how it just continues to go. And today, as an added benefit to coming to church, I'd like to present to you Rhea Bagatsing, all the way from Thailand. This is her first time in Alabama, so please (laughs) greet her after church. Let her feel that warm Alabama hospitality. Um, Yeah, it's been a joy to have Rhea with us. She's another one of our darndest. All right, uh, let's stand together. I'd like to share with you from Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. Let's read it out loud. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Would you put your hand on your heart, bow your eyes for prayer, pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I've come into your house to hear your word. Open my heart so I can receive your message and anoint your servant to speak for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today about naming things. You know, anytime a young couple finds out that they're expecting a baby, the very first thing that starts happening is the search for the name of that child. Now, in my generation, if you were like I am, the firstborn son, your middle name was already chosen. You're named after your daddy. So I am Charles Warren, because that's my dad's name. He's the firstborn. So he's Warren Wilburn, because his dad was Wilburn. Um, and that's just how it went. Now, some people have an even simpler system than that, like my man George Foreman, who I really love. I just like this guy. Um, he's got 12 kids. And he's got five sons, and he just named them all George Foreman. So he's got, got, really, he's got five sons, equally named George Foreman. So two through six. Uh, Thai people have a lot of fun with names. And our eldest son ministers with us. They live just down the street uh, from us, and they do campus ministry. And that's Andrew and his wife Jackie, and they've given us their... Our first grandson, his name is August, and he sleeps at our house about two days a week. And uh, this is awesome. But these are some of the kids that he ministers to at school. Sometimes their parents name them. Sometimes they name themselves. But um, the young man on the left's name is Aim, and the girl's name is Boom. Uh, I don't know if they're a couple or not, but Aim and Boom. The third one has got a little French influence in her name. Fondue. Sounded like a cool word, so that became her name. She's Fondue. And then there's uh, mint. And then there's gift. And then there's but. The conjunction. One T. And the last girl's name is Water. Uh, For Christmas... Uh, Andrew and Jackie were over at the house, and we were exchanging gifts. And um, Andrew wrote me this card, and he said, "You know, Dad, I love you, and I want you to have a merry Christmas. Thought you might want to pick out your own gifts, so here is your uh, Amazon gift card number." And so I read it, and uh, Jackie was had just found out that that the baby she was carrying was a girl. Really excited. And I decided to have a little bit of fun with the gift. So when I, when I was reading the card, I, I got all serious. And I said, this is, guys, this, I can't believe it. This just touches me so much. And Jackie looked up and I said, I looked at her in the eyes and I said, Andrew has given me the right to, to name your baby. <laughs> and she, she, her eyes got big and she looked over to Andrew and he was perfect. He said, it's only right. He's my father. He should have the right to name this child. And I said, I'm so I'm just so happy to have this ability. And I, you know, ever since you've been pregnant, I just keep hearing this name, Elvira. <laughs> I'm just thinking Elvira. If your name's Elvira, it's an uh, it's an awesome name. I just marry you on know, my heart's on fire for Elvira that song. I said, thinking Elvira. What do you think about Elvira? And she was like, Wait, Andrew. And she just looking around. She's a really good daughter-in-law and she you know she works hard to fit in. But I knew, I knew that I couldn't keep pushing that too hard on her forever because names matter. They ought to matter. I mean, they matter to God at least. And it's this is the first use of divine power because humans aren't just animals. Humans are made in the image of God, and that means a lot of things. But one of the things that it that it means is that our words We have the power to name things. If you have authority over that thing, you can name it. And if you name it, something happens because of the name you stuck on it. And this is how this is not just superstition. This is how God sees it. And so he gave Adam the right. I mean, he could have just handed Adam a a book and said, all right, this is all the stuff I've made and you got to learn the names of all these things. But he didn't want Adam to have that experience. He said, be like me, because that's how God made the world. He just named things. He just spoke, light, boom, light. He just speaks things, and they happen. He says, I want you to have the same experience. So I want you to walk around, and I want you to really study things. I want you to look at things. And when you're looking at it, I want you to be thinking about what it is. Because for naming to work properly... The label has to match. It has to be what the thing is, you know, or it's just not right. I remember when uh, our son, who was this young man on the end over here before, uh, when he was born, Sherry had a name for him, and that name was Matthew. And as soon as, as I saw him, I said, Sherry, we can't name him Matthew. He's not. Look at him. He's not Matthew. And she said, well, who is he? I said, I don't know. But we, he's here. we got to pray. we got to figure out who he is. So we just prayed and stared at him for days. And, you know, they won't let you out of the hospital until you put a name down. And so finally, toward the end of the time, it, it came to us. He's a Nathan. And it worked out perfectly because, you know, Nathan was a prophet, a bold prophet who used the arts in his prophecy. You know, when, when God gave Nathan the job to confront David and break his heart, This is the same David that even when his heart was right would kill people sometimes just for the news they brought or the attitude in which they brought him the news. And so now there's backslidden David, and God sends the prophet Nathan to him and says, break his heart. You've got to humble him. And Nathan crafts this story about a lamb, and he tells this story, and it goes right around David's uh, resistance. It goes right into his heart, and like a story bomb, it goes off. And it breaks his heart. And it's like, well, that's a perfect name because that's, that's what he's become. You know, he writes songs for the Lord. He has, he has the use of the arts. And there's a lot of cases in the Bible where God intercepts parents before they put the wrong name on their child. And he says, wait, before you even think about a name, we're, I'm going to tell you his name because it's what he is. And I think of the case of Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth. And the family, you know, they had a baby and the family says, name's Zacharias, right? And, and Elizabeth's going, no way, we know this baby's name. God sent an angel not to do a miracle, not to make lightning and smoke happen, just to deliver a name. And the angel said, no, this child's name is John because John means God is showing grace and mercy. And that's what John the Baptist would be. He was a tough guy or a man's man, but... His whole ministry was to intercept people on their way to judgment and step in front of them before they run themselves right into the wall of God's justice and say, stop. God wants to show you mercy. He wants to show you, he wants to show you kindness. You have to repent. You got to you got to stop what you're doing. You have to turn around and walk away from that life that you're in and, and that message is still going out today. He needed the name because when you name a thing, that name has the power to make that thing become what you called it. Names are really important. They're important for parents to understand that the words that we release over our children, you know, there's the official name and then there's all those other th- things people say to you in your lifetime you are this you are so that and they stick these things on you all these labels go on you and some of them you know hopefully you have great parents and you have great adults in your life because the authority figures in your life they have authority and when they speak something is happening and I remember in the first grade I had a teacher named Janice Grenade and man that's for first graders that's a fun name so teacher would walk in, we'd go, grenade, and everybody would hit the floor, and, the, and um, you boys get in your bed, get in your uh, desk. So, um, but Janice Grenade, God bless her, sent me home with a letter to my parents one day, and that happened to me quite a few times when I was in school. And so you know, I had this letter, and I took it home to mom, and so mom opens it up, and it says, Chuck has natural leadership ability. That's an old school teacher. It's not just about can he read. It's not just is he going to pass the test so I look good. It's what is this young man going to be. She was there to deal with character and destinies. And she was reading every student in her class. And when she saw something, she was calling it out. And she was sending letters home to make sure the parents saw what she saw so they could all say it together over that child. Now, I don't think that's what made me a leader, but I was a leader when it got called out of me by the authorities over me. It just, it explodes, you know, it comes on. Um, there was this man in our church named Harry Swilly, and he was a line foreman at General Motors. And, you know, in my most painfully shy, I didn't have good teenage experience, um, most painfully shy years, Harry Swilly would walk up to us. You know, I got sweaty hands and acne face, and I'm still looking at the floor when anybody walks by. And he'd walk up and say, men? And it's like, what? And it was me. He was talking to me and my two equal buddies. And I, I just felt like saluting him. And anything he wanted me to do, I wanted to do it because he treated me like a man. He talked to me like I was a man. And he helped me get a vision of what I could be, of who who I really was. He he went ahead and saw it and pulled me at 14 into 24 and made me feel that, made me be that. We have that power. We all have that power. Actually, if you've got kids, they've got that power. If you've got a 10-year-old child in your house or any any elementary school age, I really hope that over lunch today you will talk to them about the power they have over the destiny of their friends. Because there are labels, not even their friends, random kids at school. There are labels that if they stick those on those kids, it's going to stick for life. There's ways of treating a child. There's the loser. There's the things that you say to somebody, and it sticks, and it goes in their mind, and it starts to grow in there because it's about identity. And you can break a person when they're young, but you can rescue a person when they're young too. Just because, and if, you, if we can convince our kids to quit thinking about themselves and the focus on them and how do I look and do I fit in, and if they could just mature past that, and understand that they have power. That's how you rise up. Is you start ministering to other people, you boost them up, and then that, you've got authority. You have spiritual authority at school. I remember there was this girl in school. She was plenty good looking. I don't know what was wrong with her. She was sixth grader. We were all sixth grade. And she just, I don't know what caused it. I didn't see people being mean to her, but she was just never invited. She was never spoken to. She wasn't included. She was always by herself. And she wasn't like a mopey, you know, emo kid. She was a happy kid. Not bubbly, but anyway, just not desirable. And then there was this guy who was the basketball captain, and I don't know what made him do it, but one day he just saw her. He had walked right past her all those days, and one day he saw her. And he sat down by her, talked to her, told her to go sit at his table at lunch, and her whole story was different. I mean, the whole rest of her experience in school started that day when he stuck a label on her, desirable, popular, acceptable, nothing wrong with this girl. And once he did that, you know, her way was made. We have the ability, no matter what age we are, God has given us this power to minister to people, and to be able to label people. Now, let me just say before I move on, maybe you've been labeled, and maybe some of those labels aren't right because the core of what we are, you know, who I am is more important than what I do. So I am not my job. I change my job so many times. We get a new career, you know, every five years or so. You change your job. Who are you? And that that whole question of who do I think I am, The Bible gives us answers for that. I'm so grateful for the labels God has put on me that I can look at myself in the mirror and I do, and I encourage you to do it. Look at myself in the mirror and say to myself, You are a child of God. That's the foundation of who you are. You are chosen, you are forgiven, you are anointed, you are adopted, you are called. It's all from God and it's gifts. It's a gift of these labels that God is giving us to stick on things. And if you want your life to matter, if Sherry and I have any lasting legacy from 30 years in missions and not just in missions abroad, but in missions anywhere we go, it's from understanding the power of this one teaching that your words can have the power to change another person. It is the same word that is the word of God flowing through our lips. But we have to make a decision. I cannot, as the scripture says, sweet water and bitter water can't come out of the same faucet. It's not right that there's cursing and there's blessing coming out of the same mouth. These things ought not be. We have to decide because, you know, there's a lot of ways to be funny. But pulling other people down with cutting humor, that's for me the lowest form of humor. And it might make me feel better, it might make me look cool, but it hurt that other person in the process. And I have to decide, if I want to be a minister in the world, if I want God to use me as a, a missionary force, I have to cleanse my mouth and say, okay, there's a lot of things I'm not going to be able to say from now on. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of criticism. There's that talking about the person that just left the circle. The minute they leave the circle, there's the whole armchair quarterback on other people's lives. I've just got to shut up on all that stuff and cleanse my mouth and say, God, forgive me and take that out of me because I want my life to have, you know, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I want my mouth to have this strength. I've had an a number of occasions where I've walked up to a person, random person, I'll see them doing something right, and I just walk up to them and say, hey, I just want to say something to you. And they turn around, and, and I remember it happening at Jason's Deli not long ago, and I watched this girl at the salad bar. I've never seen anybody that meticulous. It was spotless. And, and I said, "I just have to tell you, you're a hard worker. You're diligent. You don't just do the, you know, the least little work you can do. I watched you you're amazing. If I had a company, I would hire you. And she burst into tears. She said, I never hear words like that. Then she said, can I hug you? And I said, yeah, I'm a safe man. You can hug me. Um, it's a negative world. It's a negative world. And so if you decide to be a positive person, only a positive person, if you make it your covenant with God, I'm going to learn the Adam lesson about naming things. And if you decide I'm going to be a positive person in a negative world, you watch. You're going to have influence. Now, some people's problems go beyond the normal. Their problem is they got stuck with the wrong name early in life, and it's on them. It won't come off. And they need somebody to go beyond naming, and they need someone who will rename them, somebody who has the authority from God to walk up to them and say, your name is wrong, and to just rip it off of them. Jesus did it to Peter. He wasn't named Peter. He was named Simon, and he was his lead guy, but he was so like this. And Jesus looks at him and says, your name is the problem. Simon, a reed. The wind blows you around. I don't know why your dad named you that. You're not that. You're Rocky. You're Rocky. He's like, yeah, I'm Rocky. I'm Rocky. And he wasn't always Rocky, but he was mainly Rocky. And that name did something when he got his old name taken away and the new name put on it changed the way he thought of himself. And when you see the epistles of Peter, when he writes it himself, he opens it not with Simon, but with Peter. I'm Rocky. And he continues on. I want to show you a short video about a young lady in our church in the Philippines. She was a housemaid uh, in a family in our church, and she was raised in poverty herself but she got it in her mind that God has God has a higher life for her than what her family ever told her could be hers. And I just want you to see, I think you'll be inspired by this story. <laughs>
3: walang kwentay, walang ma ito pulong yas sa Kung jan ka lumaki, jangkari mga, mga Alam mo naman na tricycle driver lang ang trabaho ko. Poo unahin ko pa ba yung ipambabawon mo, ipamamasahemo. Kasi sa kakainin yung bong magkakapatid. Abiyon nana ko pa, naman po sinasabi. Uh, kumuha ka na lang ng 2 years course kasi aanuhin mo yung apat na taon tapos sa tambay ka rin lang. At alam mo naman na may sakit ako na yung perang ipupunta ipupunta sa'yo ng apat na taon na yun is ipanggagamot ko na lang. Natutunan kong mag- ng basura, natutunan kong sa ibang tao. kayaman sabihin pero yun yung nagagawa ng sinabi nila sa
4: ano ko sinimulan yung sidewalk ministry sa mula sa tatlong bata at ngayon ay siyam na libo na. Hindi ganun kadali mag-ministry uh, sa ganong mga lugar sa squatters area. Marami mga sacrificial na kailangan mong gawin. Minsan, hinahabol ka ng mga magulang na mga bata ng itak kasi uh, ayaw nilang makarinig yung mga bata ng pagbabago o, o mas gusto nila yung mga anak nila na mag-, mag sura kaysa yung makinig ng salita ng Panginoon. At ganoon na lang yung ganoon na lang yung burden ko sa mga batang ito dahil ako, nakapagtapos din ako ng college nang walang sumuporta sa akin, kundi sa sarili ko lang din at sa tulong ng Panginoon. Kung paano yung experience ko non na makapagtapos sila ng pag-aaral sa pamagitan ng tulong ng ibang tao
3: nakarating naman po ako dun sa sidewalk family, dun ko rin po naramdaman na hindi laging discouragement yung makikita mo sa buhay na mararamdaman mo na hindi man galing sa pamilya mo yung pang-encourage mararamdaman mo na may taong magmamahal upang ipulso ka na marating yung pangarap mo, which is makapagpatos ng pag Kung ako dati bata na parang nawala ng pangarap baka yun, yung future ko teacher, teacher ko po encourage ko katulad po ng encourage na ibinigay ko sa merong bagay na kailangan maranasan yun yung makilala nila si sa Hi, I'm I'm 21 years old of- I'm now in third year college, taking up Bachelor of Elementary Education pamantasan in pamantasan ang isa'tong ang Piliota. Ako si Rex Ortega, 20 years old. Nakapagtapos ako.
0: She could go with us down into those squatters areas. You know, every weekend, Joanne and her team wade into a sea of 9,000 children. It's just a, a tip of the iceberg of how many kids that are living there. But 9,000 kids gather, and, and they gather them in groups of 100. They have about 100 different sites, and, and all they have is a plastic tarp because it, the ground is so filthy muddy, and they just throw that tarp off. The kids kick their sandals off and sit down on it. And Joanne begins to, she doesn't go there with a lot of money. She doesn't have a lot of money. She has crackers and Kool-Aid and the tarp. That's it. But she goes into there, and what she has is new names. And she looks at those kids, and she says, You are not what you've been told. What's in your mind is a lie. You're not trapped in this life. You are not less than anybody else. You are children of God. He has a destiny for you. He has a calling for you. And she looks into their eyes, and she starts to call out, what she sees and she notices the ones especially who get there early and make the kids sit in good order and she says ah you're a leader that's what you are And because you're a leader you're one of mine so i'm putting you in my training i mean they might be 12 years old but she's got them in her army and they get that t-shirt and man their life has already started over and then she says and you're going to high school they say, well my my mom says you know no one in my family's even finished elementary schools i don't care what your mom says don't believe all this stuff. None of this is true. Right here is what's true. If God tells you something, because that's what faith is. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not positivity. Faith is believing, really believing that what God says about you is the truth. And only that is the truth. And you grab it and you start living like it. And you just tell yourself you don't believe those lies and you, you starve your doubts, you feed your faith, and you move on with it. And she tells those kids, you're not just going to high school, you're going to college. And every year, you know, those are just two of 100 kids that are right now full-time workers with her in this ministry who came up from children, finished college, and now they're back in as leaders. We had a young man in our church one time. He came to church and I was teaching from 1 John Chapter 1, and it says those who are born who are children of God are not born because of their parents' decision to have children. They're born because of God. Labels. And that young man went home to his family, a very elite, privileged family. Every Sunday, his mother and father gathered all their grown-up children. And he sat at the table, and he said, I learned something today. And they said, what's that? And he said, all my life... You told me, it was a joke, but it hurt. You told me I was an accident. He said, I'm not an accident. I learned in church, I'm not an accident. I was planned by God. If you didn't plan me, God planned me. God has a plan for my life. Renaming people. God wants to send you out from this place as a minister. In order to be a minister, you've got to be scanning, looking for the sheep. You've got to know who you are in Christ so you'll take this authority to name and rename and then to start speaking blessing into people's lives. I don't know how many more years you have to live. I don't know how many years I have to live. But I can tell you, this is where ministry starts. This is the beginning of having a life that impacts other people. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Let's just close our eyes. Father God, I pray all across this crowd, first of all, that we would decide not to believe the lies. The devil tells us lies. Other people spoke things to us that stuck in our mind. Advertisers tell us we're less than perfect, so we'll buy their junk. It's all lies. It's just meant to confuse us and make us feel weak, so we won't accomplish anything. And God, today, all across this crowd, we reject every lying word about us. We will not encourage these things in our minds. We can do all things through Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are eternal creatures already. The apple of your eye, forgiven, adopted, included, be loved. We need to know who we are. And God, we open our minds to receive from your word the truth about our identity. And Father, we pray forgiveness. Would you put your hand on your lips? Oh Lord God, we pray that you would purge our lips from every negative, critical, harsh, lying, filthy word that has ever come out of our mouths. We pray that the same way you did it for your prophet Isaiah, you burned his lips with a holy coal. I pray that you would do that to every one of us right now. That you would purge our lips, cleanse us from everything we've ever said that we wish we could take back. But God, from this day on, cause our lips to run with sweet water. And I pray, God, that today when we leave this building, we will already be looking for people that we can minister to with our words especially people that we can call out things in their life. The waitress at the dinner today, any people we run into, think of something about them that we know is pleasing, something that's good, something they need to hear us say to them and call that thing out in their life and watch it start growing and release that life force that is in the Word of God. Use this church. You're starting to use this church in nations In different parts of the world, Lord, that's awesome that from one location you're now spreading out and you're ministering through this church to so many places. But it means there has to be an army of people who understand the power of speaking out God's good names and putting labels on people and setting people up and ripping off the bad labels that some people are so burdened with and helping them know who they are in Jesus name. Amen.